This week we talk about Antonio Brown, the Apostle Islands, and being Pennywise or Pound Foolish. Let's give me some truth with Clint Walker, Keith Ponywise, and Nate Condon. All right, so we learned a couple different things this weekend. Number one, Nate, that you have a very good home away rating, and I'm very happy about that to hear that. I, I do. It was just updated and uh, still uh, still pretty strong. Apparently, I'm quite the dependable lodger, if you will. Well, and that means that you guys at least checked to make sure that your kids didn't destroy anything, so that's good. Well, they weren't up there, so oh, you know, I, it was, I only had to be responsible for a portion of myself because that's, you know, a hundred percent being responsible hundred percent for myself on vacation is a little too much. I think well, so. We all know that Selena does a good job. She's, right. she's yeah, she definitely got a yep. five home away rating, but you, <laughs> she's a five and a half and he's 4.5 and it balances out. That's right. Uh, we, like we are Seinfeld, seeing vacation. Like and, uh, uh, um, George said like, if they both can just be half a man, that equals one man. That sounds about right. <laughs> We do have vacation Nate in the office because he did not shave after. Well, I came vacation. from northern Wisconsin, so and feel like that's appropriate to not shave when you get back from the tip of Wisconsin. I was I was at the northernmost point of Wisconsin that you can actually. I was going to say set foot on, but we we you can't set foot on it. But wasn't it awesome though? It was awesome. The Apostle Islands are pretty amazing. Highly recommended. Hmm. Very relaxing. Yeah, for as much as I relax on vacation, yeah, it was relaxing. And then the second thing we learned this weekend was that if you have a disenfranchised employee, you always have to check their social media feeds now because they might be trying to get themselves released from a team or something like that. I'm referring to Antonio Brown. And so now he's delivered a playbook. So if Keith or Mitch just want to get out of here, we'll just have to check their Instagram or Facebook feeds because they might just try to be you know, flame-throwing things against Walker Condon, and then we're going to have to release them. Well, we hope it wouldn't get to that, but we would require their playbook back if that if that did get to that point. Very true. Give the uh, compliance manual um, back to us. I, I don't think we want to go down this route because I, I don't think we want to compare ourselves to the Oakland football Raiders right now. <laughs> Only Antonio Brown would make us feel bad for the Raiders. Yeah, that is true. It's all about comparisons. It's all about how you compare right. something to something. Boy, now you think about the the Raiders, how they are right now. You're you're going, boy. I wish, I wish that we had the Al Davis years back because <laughs> he was just such a good president at GM. You know, now you got John Green you mean weekend AB. at Bernie's Al Davis. It's all in how you compare something. <laughs> I, I love me a little Al Davis. You oh, know? He, well, he was a pioneer. I mean, he had a, uh, he was really well known for diversifying the league. When it really worked hard to bring African American players on onto the Raiders and make them feel welcome and, you know, was always kind of sticking in the face of the NFL, which, let's be honest, NFL could use some face sticking. I well, think. he was perfect for the Raiders. The absolute yeah. perfect owner. Well, the, the track Raiders. suits he and the glasses, slick back it. hair, perfect. Perfect yeah. for the Raiders. They have, yep. they have a certain aura to them. They did. I think that aura is, I mean, now his son is running the team Eats a lot, uh, I think, has a favorite, Applebee's, in fact, and lives out of his conversion minivan. So He's got really? a great haircut, too. Uh, gets, gets the same bowl cut haircut for $10. <laughs> well, he, he and Chucky probably get the same, <laughs> the same haircut. Maybe they get a deal. 
I would say we digress, but we didn't even start down the path that we were supposed to. It's, it's not even a digression. Digression. It's 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 a you know it's a it's a time to check the GPS and get on the right route. Yeah. Is there a same like opening weekend in soccer? The lesser of them of the two sports, by the way. But football. Um, you yeah. mean you meant to say football? Whatever. I'm talking about soccer, Keith. Since you're you're kind of an uppity soccer fan, is there a same like opening weekend sort of thing there, or opening day in soccer as there is like in football? Yes, but you have so many leagues sort of scattered around the world that they don't all open at the same time. So at so. the at the Who concert that I went to last night, I saw a guy walking around with a red football jersey on. Uh, that said Fly Emirates on it. That would have been Arsenal. Oh, see, I was going to say, I was going to give him like a, a like a shout-out for your team, which is Liverpool. But then I was like, oh, maybe that's not a Liverpool jersey. No, and then I'll have started a fight in the in Alpine the Valley. And, oh, dear <laughs> Lord. Lord. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually reading, uh, as readers of my bi-weekly newsletter are aware, Among the Thugs, which is a story of... Uh, British soccer hooligans in the 1980s and early 90s. Highly recommended. Very interesting. Did the uh, hooligans have nicknames? I hope. Oh, yes. They all had nicknames. Can you share a nickname for us? (laughs) I know there was like a... a, Thumper Billy or something? Yeah, something uh, uh, Dastardly Don, I think, was one of them. (laughs) That's so British. (laughs) Uh, But yes, they all. uh, several of them, many of them had nicknames, which was... Interesting. Are we just going to turn this into a podcast about nothing? No, I don't think so. I think we're going to get on something well, today. First of all, it's insulting to have called this nothing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Comedy gold. Yeah, and- exactly. <laughs> if you want off this boat, Keith, you know how to That's get right. off. <laughs> you, could, you could just exit right out, Keith. You, you just hear the know. door open and then close on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is an audio m- medium, so we're going to have to get... Uh, producer Hannah in here to like make the the creaking door door noises like they did in old radio plays. Exactly. <laughs> so today we'd like to discuss a bit about being penny wise and pound foolish, and we wanted to focus on a couple different uh, areas. So uh, both professional, uh, kind of in financial life, and then also kind of personal or wellness based. Um, so uh, Nate, when we first think about things that we don't. Uh, spend money on where we really should, where we might look for value where there isn't some, uh, where would you say your first place to look as? Well, well, give me one of the two topics. Are we talking the, which do you like? What do you want to Let's go financial first. Let's go financial first. Since we kept it lighthearted in the beginning here, let's, let's delve into a topic that's particularly lighthearted finance. So on a lot of these that we, that we discussed in the prep work that we did prior to the podcast, we, kind of decided to kind of center it around the idea of do you go economical because that makes sense or do you actually pay for the uh, higher level of whatever it is that you're going for, i.e., do you do you stay out of the middle section? Do you stay out of the gray area? So one area that, that we discussed was when do you use a, an accountant versus when do you do it on your own? Um, and we, we kind of looked at it from the standpoint of, the 24-year-old, not married, no house, no kids, uh, you know, that person using, um, you know, a file-it-yourself type or a uh, H&R block makes tons of sense. You don't need the, 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 the high level. Save the money there. Good idea. Just go ahead and do it on your own. However, if you are, um, you know, five people in the household with three dogs and a cat and 
uh, everything else that, that goes on for people that, that have gotten to that point in their lives, uh, H&R Block is uh, absolutely being, um, I'll, I'll just say, it, foolish to the uh, to credit back to our title of this podcast, foolish in that case, because that situation definitely requires, in our opinion, a full-fledged accountant. Well, I, I, I think we don't need to call out one specific, uh, you know, low-rent accounting firm. When I lived in New Jersey, there was an accounting firm. Y- your words, Keith, not my words. That uh, oh, they H&R would, Block hater over yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. They, wow. they, would, uh, <laughs> they would stand, they, they'd dress somebody up like the Statue of Liberty and wave. Oh, yeah, I like that. I wave yeah. every time I go by. Yeah, $150 for taxes or, or whatever. And the other thing there, again, it's it, it can be... Uh, pound foolish as well because you in a lot of cases they may charge you fees they may say we'll get you at, you know we'll put that refund in your account immediately on your tax refund and then there's an interest charge for that loan that they've given you on that so again uh you know it's a, a case where you could be you know penny wise and pound foolish yeah, and I think another example, Keith, and you were we were talking about this before we started the podcast was financial advice as well. That you know we see people that are are consistently saying, "Hey, I, I don't necessarily need a financial advisor because my situation doesn't warrant it," and that might be uh, really far from the truth. Indeed, I mean, so many times I think you just peel the hood on investments that people are using. Uh, you know, a shares of mutual funds, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there are certain big mutual funds in the in the large cap space that have gotten so big that they're essentially index products for which they'll charge 75, 0.75, 0.85, 0.95%, 0. right? And if we can get you into a diversified portfolio of, of tax-efficient investments of ETFs or other things, I mean, for us, we've earned two-thirds, three-quarters of our fee, and we haven't done anything in terms of financial planning, tax, longer-term tax strategy, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's an area as well where people are, oh, I don't need to pay for advice. I'm going to you know, keep investing in these same funds that my grandfather invested in and, and not do anything, but you're ending up costing yourself in the long run. Well, also from a tax perspective, and I know we've discussed a bit about tax here, but uh, somebody that has a pile in a brokerage account, they got two hundred grand sitting in a brokerage account, but they're not maxing out their 401k, or they're not taking advantage of their HSA or FSA at work, um, just because either it could be that they're unaware, uh, it could be that they're just lazy about it. Uh, but if you actually added all those up and amortize that over time, that's a huge tax savings and a huge compounding effect that people might be giving up or putting money into Roth buckets versus traditional uh, buckets, depending on where their income's at, or perhaps look at converting uh, IRAs to Roth IRAs and look at the longer term picture there. And those are all sorts of things that professionals do, particularly on the financial side, that uh, make sure that your wealth can be kind of trampolined up there. And there's really you know, yes, you're paying an advisory fee, but the benefit can be far, uh, can far ox- out exceed the cost of that. Yeah, I think the the idea behind it is just kind of looking at what you're paying for and what you're getting from a value standpoint. And that's a lot of, of the, um, I think that kind of goes to the, speaks to the heart of that idea of being um, pennywise, pound foolish is, is it, it comes from the value piece, uh, the value side of it. If you're getting value for what you're paying for, then then good. But if you're if you're trying to quote get a deal on something you shouldn't be trying to get a deal on, or where it doesn't make sense, 
in the end, you're just hurting yourself. So that's a professional one, Clint. What's a uh, personal one? Well, I actually bought a, uh, for my, this is how once you're in your 40s, you, you know that you're in your 40s. For my birthday, I asked my wife for a vacuum sealer. Um, and the reason why I did that is that I was tired of losing foods to um, spoilage. So I'd go, we go to Costco a lot because, you know, we're a family. You got to go to Costco. You get great deals. And so you buy particularly the chicken breasts, man. You, gotta, you buy the organic chicken breasts. They're not cheap, but relative to if you just go to a regular grocery store and buy organic chicken, it's significantly less expensive. And we had food spoilage episodes a few times. And so I said, I'm getting a vacuum sealer. And so I'm doing that. So I'm spending the money on the vacuum seal bags, which are a little expensive, and the machine itself, which was, I think, 150 bucks, And then uh, we're going to prevent a lot of that food spoilage. And then also, as, as you're kind of a, a foodie, Keith, uh, you get it all vacuum sealed, and you can easily sous vide them. So, it, And that's a, that's a great, uh, like doing that on Sunday for chicken breasts, for instance, sous vide them. And then basically they're cooked through. And you can throw them, you know, on on the grill or throw them on a hot pan, heat them back up, and that's that's uh, I would say both pound and penny wise, mm-hmm. uh, in some sense that you're preventing the food spoilage, you're saving yourself time, you've got a really easy meal that you can make that's kind of pre cooked and doesn't take as much time or effort on a on a weeknight. So, uh, congratulations on becoming a grown up. Oh, come on. But thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. So then you can, you, you know, they'll obviously keep longer in the fridge. And then also it, you can just vacuum seal it, keep it in the freezer, and it won't get freezer burn uh, yeah. as quickly. But I, I do think this is a classic, you know, Pennywise Pound Foolish is if you're buying, you know, 20 pounds of meat but only effectively using 10, you know, your cost is double. I think of what was the item that Kramer bought from the uh, – from the value, was that a... A uh, beefarama. Yeah. Or no, um, uh, uh... Didn't he buy, like, a giant container of capers? <laughs> Beef... Oh, we're going to have to look that up. Yeah. Uh, but, Nate's going to look that one up for Beef-a-rini. sure. But your cost automatically doubles. Beefarini. That's okay. what it is. Yeah. yeah. But, but you go and horse. you think, oh, I'm getting this great deal. <laughs> but in fact, if, you're, if you've got food waste, if you're not using it, et cetera, et cetera. If it gets thrown away, double your price, right? Very true. And I think you just feel terrible, too, throwing yeah. it away. You know, the spoilage of it just just makes you feel like a bad person that you're just being wasteful. Yeah, all right. Well, a weird transition, but here we go. So stay on the throwaway standpoint. Weird flex, but okay. Weird flex, but okay. Apparently, that's what the kids say now. Um, th- we've kind of gotten to that world in a lot of the electronics we buy now, a lot of the appliances, a lot of the... Uh, kind of just a home goods in general, is this a disposable item or is this an item that I'm going to pay top, top dollar for, excuse me, uh, and I'm going to keep for a number of years? So what, what's an example of that, Clint Walkner? I'm trying to think about, um, so if we're being, you know, I, I think that people that are having kids and they don't buy the newest iPhone, to me that's, that's kind of interesting. If you're not buying a really nice camera, I'm not saying an iPhone on your specifically, phone. but I, I think that, yeah, you want a nice camera on your phone and you want uh, the ability to maintain all of those memories. And so I'll, I'll see people with, you know, old technology and, you know, you really want to make sure that you preserve all of those memories for yourself. So there people will go with a, a lower quality or they won't replace their phone and, 
dude, you use this thing every day, all the time. And so to not have a fast device to me doesn't make any sense. Uh, mesh networks too, uh, in your own house. I, I see a lot of the Wi-Fi doesn't work particularly well in some spots, particularly in certain buildings. Uh, so I think that getting a mesh network makes a ton of sense. I like, I'm always of the adage, you spend your money where you spend your time. You've got that device on all the time. You should spend money on that device and then you should spend money on the uh, network to make sure that it's fast enough and also that it's um, accessible to you in all areas of your house. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of a technology nerd that way too, but I, I like that all to work. And, and with uh, a lot of light switches now, things like that. If you want a smart home as well, uh, you know, you need that power. So I would say the internet access being fast enough as well. I remember my parents had internet access that was like, they were complaining about the buffering. They had like five megabits per second or something. And they're like, why is everything so slow? I'm like, because <laughs> your internet pipeline is one of those tiny little drink straws. So I'm like, you need to have a pipeline that's actually big enough. I'm like, take that contrast. I have an entire like massive pipe of data coming in. You've got a straw. So it's, it's a bit different and you just got to spend your money there. I'm conflicted on this one because I think uh, for us, you know, our phones are integral parts of business for us. You know, we're always able to answer emails or, you know, address questions that I think we view them as a business expense. I think for a lot of folks, going a couple years between iPhones is not the worst thing in the world. And I think it, it, come down, it comes down to, you know, now I, I should also say that I, I'm pro-Apple. <laughs> yes. Um, so please rebuy your iPhones every year. But I think it's a case of what do you use it for? And are you going to notice the difference between camera A on the iPhone 9 and camera B on the iPhone 10 Plus X, triple Q, whatever it's now going by? I, I'm not sure you will. And, you know, for me, I don't notice the difference in the, in the camera quality. I also don't have children, but my dog pictures do come out quite well. <laughs> well, I think that, that highlights exactly what we're talking about. And I'll use another example to, to kind of go through what uh, the, the two different sides of that that Clinton and Keith just took, what, which is if you're going to buy a laptop, all right? So I, I, I said to Clint, I, I don't understand why anybody spends $700 for a laptop anymore. To me, it fall, they fall in two distinct categories, and if you're in the middle ground on this, you're just you're just wasting your money. Laptops and a lot of the electronics now, if you don't buy the big time thousand twelve hundred dollar laptop, which you're going to hope to have for four, five, six years, you should not go down to the seven hundred dollar laptop. You should go all the way down to the four hundred dollar laptop because it's a disposable item. And I know it sounds weird to think of a computer as a disposable item, and that's essentially what it is. If you think about things that way, and that's how we have to look at things nowadays, is you're going to buy it, you're going to use it for two, three, maybe four years. Um, at the end of four years, you're going to throw it in the trash, and then you are going to go buy another one. Then the extra money to, to spend the $700 did nothing um, because you're likely going to have to throw the $700 laptop in the trash after three or four years anyways. So in that way, kind of look at the items that you're buying, and the, the iPhone's a great example like, and Keith and Clint have different views on it, but that's a, that's a positive thing to kind of just determine for yourself what makes the most sense is either go the either more economical route, save the money, and understand you've got a disposable item, or go the, the, the big-time route, get the big product, spend the money on it, and then um, 
kind of decide for yourself that you're going to keep it for five or six years. Don't go into the gray area in the middle because all you're doing is wasting money. I think also um, related to that is think about, you know, I'm going to lean towards your side here. Uh, Clint is one of the things I like about, and, you know, I'm not trying to endorse uh, any particular product, but one thing that the iPhone does very well is it integrates well with other systems. And so that in certain cases, you know, if it's worth it to you to spend the extra $200 so that you know your computer is going to work with your phone, is going to work with your printer, is going to work with your television set very easily for you, you know, if you're looking at one of these home devices, an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, sometimes it makes sense to pay a little extra because you know it's going to be integrated with everything else you have at, at the house. I mean, nobody enjoys kind of uh, spending 20 minutes on you know on the phone with customer service trying to link up their printer to their laptop or whatever when they get a new one. So I think that's something as well to consider is that that's a, that's a time expenditure when you're buying technology. And I don't think it's all technology-based, too. I think there's other places in your life that you can consider where you want to spend your money, too. I think fitness and wellness is one of those things where uh, people that, you know, get the, there's, and again, not picking on a company, but, you know, there's like anytime fitness, it's like $10 a month or something like that, right? Well, what's the persistency of somebody going to the gym if they're spending $10 a month? It's probably fairly low. And I'm sure that there are some people taking advantage of it every month, and, and it's a great value. But, you know, others choose to go up, uh, you know, and can spend $1,000 a month on their own fitness. And I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with either one of those sides of that argument. I think it does come down to, Nate, you know, I think you got something there where you're saying it's either disposable or it's not. Either you're going to be a heavy utilizer of something or you treat it as more of kind of a commodity sort of situation. So, uh, you know, I do believe that spending money on efficient fitness, particularly a personal trainer, uh, something like that, somebody that makes you accountable. I know that I work out a lot better when I have somebody that's actually, you know, telling me what to do and making sure that I'm doing everything right, uh, technique wise. And there is an accountability factor to spending a fair amount of money on that. So, you know, I choose to spend some cash on that each month. And so does my wife. And I, I think it, it makes you go and makes you do the things and be, be well, you know? So the happy medium there would be don't spend 40 or $50 on your garden variety gym membership that you're never going to use. If yeah. you don't think you're going to use it very much and it's not going to be a big part of your life, pay the 10 bucks a month, grab the anytime fitness. You can use it when you feel a need to use it. You're good to go. Or as you're suggesting, go with a more dedicated plan, a track, a, program where it's going to cost you more money, but in a way that costing you more money is going to force you to do it more and it's going to be more of an integral part of your life. Don't be the person that spends $50 on the gym membership that never uses it. That's exactly right. I, I think, you know, you mentioned the word commodities and before we, we sort of wrap up here, you know, thinking about things that were once value items, but are now commodities, right? Yeah, exactly. 15 years ago, the only way you were going to get in the smartphone game was with an iPhone, right? that had all that. Now there, there are other com competitive brands that offer 98% of what the top level ones do. And so you have to think, is this, is this a commodity for me or is this something special? Is fitness a commodity item or is it, you know, I think the, the value for you of, of working out exceeds, you know, simply the, the 
the return of putting money in. The other thing is I would like for a future podcast to be able to rant about brands that were once quality items <laughs> and, not and so are, much now, anymore. are now crap. Yeah. Well, I think I like the, the commodity analogy is a great one. For me, I, I look at the area of appliances as just that it's, it's that to a T. You know, I don't care if it's a refrigerator, a washer, dryer, dishwasher, whatever it is. I mean, make the decision either buy the cheap one that you know you're going to replace every few years and that's how you're going to do it or buy the the you know the, the the big one but again put the time and effort and research into making sure that that big one is really what you think it's going to be don't buy the one in the middle because the one in the middle is not going to be the it's not going to last as long as the big one should and it's going to it's going to die out faster you're going to lose that money you should have just bought the cheap one so appliances to me are it's sad to say that a refrigerator refrigerator is now a commodity item but that's in a lot of ways what it is. It. Yeah, you can be if you treat it. Same thing with TVs. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things, like I've said, exactly. oh, buy the more expensive, buy the more expensive. I've said that all along in this podcast. Well, TVs, I would say, is a great exception to that. I mean, I, I go into Costco and I see these $4,000, $5,000 TVs, and you're like, well, the Vizio one over here is a fraction of the cost. And how much better are you getting as far as this four or $5,000 TV than this one that's that's $1,100? With those, in a lot of cases, we're getting to the point where the eye can't even determine the difference on the, the pixels and pixel quality. You know, and I, I think we can apply this to everything. Uh, I think, you know, uh, w- we may have different attitudes toward technology. I know we have different attitudes towards automobiles. You know, an automobile for me is an inconvenience and a hindrance. I, I imagine there are many people out there that feel the same way. But you like driving. You, you know, enjoy it. And so it's a different value for you. Yeah, and again, that's a, a similar um, kind of decision I made in my head, which was going to be either, okay, this is either going to be, you know, a, a and, and I've gone down that path, the economical vehicle, I'm going to get it, I mean, it's not going to cost me a lot of money. Again, and I, I just knew that that vehicle was going to last three or four years, and then I would get rid of it. I would buy a different one, and, and that cycle didn't bother me because I wasn't spending a lot of money for it. This time, I decided to go with go to the other end of the spectrum and get something that I'm going to hopefully have for five, six, seven years. But same idea there: don't fall in the middle. Don't get the you know the overpriced middle value car that's not really going to last you the extra years, but it's going to cost you more than the economical one should. So that's I think the the, the point of the whole podcast that we're trying to get across for people is nowadays when we buy things, the way the, uh, um, you know, consumer is being kind of marketed to be careful when you buy things nowadays, understand it's either a, you know, uh, I'm going to get this in an economical way and I know what I'm getting or spend the extra money and I know what I'm getting there. Um, you know, and how that relates to, you know, penny, Pennywise, Pound Foolish is make the correct decision for you based on the product itself and not based on, you know, with the way you've always done it because it's just a different world than it used to be. So uh, we will be back with uh, more insight uh, in a future episode and we will talk to you then.
Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, Mitch DeWitt, and Keith Ponywaz are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not provide any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.